Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. Hi everyone, this is Norma. And this is Priscilla. And you're listening to Is the Mystery, Mystery for Me. me. everyone before we dive into this week's episode we definitely want to take time to talk about a recent case we covered the Blair Berry kids case since starting the podcast in June of 2021 I think right Mm -hmm. we've covered around 60 cases and counting and honestly this was the first time we heard heightened feedback regarding sensitivity to trauma victims yeah and I want to make it clear that we don't have any training in that area And a lot of you also admitted that you didn't have training in that area, but many of you have had personal experiences as survivors of trauma, or you know someone who has gone through some form of trauma. I want to just thank you for sharing those stories with me because it gave me a new lens, which I think is really important moving forward in doing these cases. I was speaking from a place of what I thought I would do, if I was in Gabby's shoes, but the truth is you don't know what you'll do until you're actually there. I want to also acknowledge that there are different responses to trauma, but I don't want my thoughts on that point to take away from Gabby's personal journey. Especially considering that there are just a lot more factors and it's not as black and white as it might seem. Mm -hmm. It was definitely not our intention to add any more pain to Gabby's ordeal or to upset any listeners. We want you to know that your voices are heard. We are definitely listening. And after taking time to think about it, we thought it was best to take down the episode. Maybe we'll cover the case again. Maybe the coverage includes Gabby as a guest. Stay tuned. And until then, please continue to let us know your thoughts, whether that's via DMs, comments, emails. We're open and we're listening. And we want to just Thank you guys for this learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, we're going to go ahead and turn to this week's episode. I just want to give a quick disclaimer before we turn to this week's episode. So this episode was filmed a little bit different audio wise. Okay, so we actually did a video recording and we pulled the audio from the video recording instead of um, recording on our usual mics. Um, The video recording is for a special project and hopefully we can share that with you guys very, very soon. But I just want to let you guys know um, and we'll be back to using our regular microphones next week. Now back to the episode. This week, we are diving into a case that's going to take us to North Carolina. But before that, let's talk about this week's sources. So I watched an episode of Dateline. Can't get enough of that show. They're really good at deep dives, okay? Really, really good. Um, I also watched an episode of Final Moments, which is on the Oxygen Network. Read a bunch of articles from ABC, Newsweek, Heavy.com. 
But for a full list of today's sources, please check out our website, isthemysteryforme.com, or click the link in the show notes. This week's case takes us to Hope Mills, North Carolina. This is the Danielle Locklear case. Danielle Locklear, aka Danny, was born on July 10th, 1998, making her a what? A cancer. I love cancers. They're great. I always kind of have to mention the zodiac signs. You know how it is. I'm a Capricorn. You guys already know Norma is a fiery Aries. Yeah, my sun and moon. Really? Mm -hmm. I have not done a deep dive into mine in a long time, but I shall do so and report back next week. <laughs> so Danny was born in North Carolina and it looks like she moved away at some point when her mom got remarried. Um, the final moments episode mentions that she would go back during the summertime to visit her grandparents who still lived there and her aunt, China. So China described her relationship with Gabby as yes, an aunt and niece relationship, but also like kind of like sisters because they were very close in age. The show did not go into details about Sheena's age and neither did the articles, but I just looked at Sheena and I can tell. You know what I'm saying? I can tell. Yeah. She's a young aunt. She's young. You know what I mean? It doesn't crack. <laughs> One summer when Danielle is visiting her grandparents and her aunt Sheena, um, this was summer of 2013, she decided that she didn't really want to go back home. Now, home was not really specified in the show and in articles. Like I did mention that she moved away with her mom and her mm -hmm. stepfather. I think it was to South Carolina because her mom mentions it at one point on the Dateline episode, but I'm not certain. Either way, she did not want to go back home, okay? And part of it was because her mom was going through a divorce. But the show Final Moments sheds a little bit more light on other reasons. One being that she met a love interest during the summer. His name was Jermichael. Okay, and they met at a church youth group. I don't know, but Danielle was pretty convincing. And again, her parents were undergoing a very, very like painful divorce. So everyone just thought it was best for her to stay with her grandparents and Aunt Gina. And you know, her mom would just come back and forth and visit her. Interestingly enough, it was her freshman year of high school. She was just about to start it. And I wondered about like the kind of friends she had back home, like in eighth grade and stuff. Was she not excited to go to like that high school? Right. Um, did her, you know, new love interest suddenly make all those like worries about starting at a new high school disappear? Cause she's like, you know what? I know somebody here and you know, I could keep in contact with my friends. I don't know, you know, just teenage love stuff. <laughs> um so yeah she began her freshman year at southview high school okay i should mention jamichael actually did not go to the same high school he oh didn't. yeah i don't know he just didn't um and he also was a senior in high school mm -hmm. so she was a freshman and he was a senior at the time yes interesting mm-hmm and her birthday was in July, so she had just turned 15, and he was like 17 at that point. And they met, um, you said, at church, right? Right. She was 14 and he was 17? I'm just trying to yes. understand. Like she, It was before her mm -hmm. freshman year of high school. It was before, and her birthday is in July. Okay. So different states start kids in schools at different ages because she turned 15 okay. that July and started freshman year that September. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I mean, freshman dating a senior, it's not unheard of. You know what I'm saying? I knew a few people who were dating seniors. Sure, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So her family also really loved Jamichael. They knew his family from church. And they knew him they knew him since he was like a kid. So they were all for it. She had a lot of different interests, and honestly, it made me think about you. She was really into doing her makeup and watching YouTube videos. Oh wow. Yes. What a throwback. I mean, I feel like a lot of us learn how to do our makeup thanks to the OGs of like makeup blogs on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. She also really loved baking. Oh. And you like I baking. do too. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> She would look up recipes, whether on YouTube or like on the internet generally, and she was a fast learner. She would just like cook stuff and it would always come out like amazing. So she was really excited about like all these endeavors and of course was doing really well in school and was big on social media. Like she just loved to tweet. She loved to just post about what she's doing and whatnot. I'm pretty sure they made a joke on this show like that they were surprised her thumbs weren't bruised. <laughs> and I'm like, that sounds like me. Yeah, it does. Um, she, of course, loved hanging out with her friends. And they actually spent a lot of time at this place called The Creek was their hangout spot. Okay, the secret spot. And it was like in the neighborhood, but like off in the woods. I feel like a lot of neighborhoods have this. Mm -hmm. Like where we grew up, if you go back enough in the woods, you'll find like interesting places. Yeah. So for the kids, they were really excited to have like this cool hangout spot. No one really knew about it. So they spent, you know, a lot of time there. But her family didn't really know that. And I'll talk about that more later. Now, knowing that Jamichael did not go to the same school as her, I was like, oh my gosh, starting freshman year, not knowing anyone, she must have been really nervous. You know, I at first I was thinking he was going to the same school and she would know somebody, but she didn't. But either way, of course, she made friends very quickly. She was very popular, very beautiful. Everybody wanted to be friends with her. So her friends were interviewed on the show. They had nothing but amazing things to say about her. Now, as far as her relationship with Jamichael, um, you know, this was her first love. Her first real boyfriend is how, you know, Aunt Sheena talked about it. And it just reminds me of how, like, mom talks about stuff and just, like, parents generally your first real boyfriend. They don't acknowledge yeah. all the other ones. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. The first real one. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, let me tell you a little bit more about him. He was ambitious. He had good, a good head on his shoulders. Um, and he wanted to go to the military. And her friend says that she was even contemplating leaving high school early, like doing her sophomore year like online or something so that she could move wherever he was oh, moving. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. And remember, they had just met. I mean, I think it's a little bit of puppy love and excitement. It's your first love. Um, but, you know, things are happening kind of fast here. But, I mean, were her, I don't know, was her mom aware of this? Was her aunt, you said Chena? Yeah, Chena. Um, was she aware that she wanted to move wherever he was going if he's joining the military? See? Were they supportive of that? Uh, I don't know if they knew. Okay, I don't know if they knew that to be honest, because that came from her friend on the show. So I'm okay. like, I was wondering if her, if her family was watching it back and thinking like, wait, we didn't know that part, mm, you know? Interesting. Because you know, sometimes you say things to your friends and you leave things out, you know what I'm saying, conveniently to your parents. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't know, but um, yeah, she really was head over heels. 
But Aunt Chena said that she was a very nosy aunt. So she was like, you know, always watching over her. Like she saw that she was like writing things in her notebook, like with his last name, like Danielle Malloy, because that was his last name. And her aunt was just like, oh, puppy love. But again, like he had all these great things going for him. So they had no issues with that. And she was happy. And that's all they could have wanted, especially her moving there. She's like new to town and stuff. At least, you know, she was having a great time. I mentioned earlier that her mom was basically living somewhere else and that, you know, Danielle was living with her mom's sister and her mom's parents, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really clear on the show if her mom had plans to, like, move there, but that's what I think was the plan. Um, her mom's name is Rona, by the way. Um, she just, you know, Danielle was her only daughter. So at that point of course she wants to be near her so i think that the ultimate goal was okay once this divorce is final like let me see if i make my way up there mm. but danielle was also in really good hands you know what i'm saying and it takes a village it takes a village and to have her aunt china there and her grandparents i mean it wasn't a bad setup at all mm -hmm. by spring 2014 danielle had been there for about 10 months or so um, and things were going great with her boyfriend. I mean, Chena did say they were on and off at one point. They would just like break up and get back together, but it was like teenage stuff. So she was just like, okay, I guess this is what teenagers are doing these days, you know? Um, on March 11th, 2014, the day started off as normal. You know, Danielle usually gets up early and is out the house by 8 a.m. And Chena and her mom, who's Danielle's grandma, right? they were going to go to Atlanta for a doctor's appointment. They don't say what the appointment is for, but they left her with her grandfather. But they did see her off in the morning. She was running late. She was running a little late to school. And, you know, they said bye and she went off to school. And they didn't know that that was going to be the last time that they saw her. This is where things kind of take a turn. Sheena is in Atlanta, it's nighttime at this point, and she says that she just had a bad feeling. She even said out loud, she could be in a ditch somewhere. Like, she wow. just had this feeling like, oh my gosh, she needs to call me. They don't go into like whether or not like Gina tried to contact her or whatever, or if this was just like, you know, her freaking out as the overprotective aunt. But back in North Carolina with grandpa, apparently Danielle had said to grandpa, hey, I need to go give this book to a friend. She, leaves, she lives a few houses down. And grandpa was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, go ahead and come right back. And she goes out and she doesn't come back. And what time was that? That was in the afternoon? That was after school? So this was after school. Okay. It was at 10 p.m. at night. Oh, wow. Yeah. We'll, we'll go into that How badly does this person need this book? I don't, I don't know. know. And they're just a few doors down. Hmm. So this is a friend that she's close to when he says, okay. But by morning, she's not back. And so he calls his wife, her grandmother, right? And says, listen, she didn't come home last night. She went out to give this book and, and I didn't see her after that. And they're like, call the police. And he's like, wait, I thought I had to wait 24 hours to call the police. 
which is interesting because you hear that 24 hour rule so many times that like it confused grandpa wow he's like oh okay let me call the police right now and they call the police they report her as missing of course they have a bunch of questions and they insinuate that maybe she's a runaway and at this point, her mom, Rona, has made her way to North Carolina. She was in South Carolina at the time at a restaurant. But again, it didn't say like she lived in South Carolina. So still question mark. And she came quickly as soon as she heard. And Sheena and the grandmother also made their way right back to North Carolina. The whole thing was just incredibly bizarre. Like Sheena said, it was not like Danielle to even leave the house at night. Okay. She was just weirded out by the whole thing. But then when she started to kind of like rack her brain about stuff, she remembered that Danielle a few nights ago, probably like two days before, mm -hmm. had come home kind of late. Like Gina was pulling into the driveway and she says that Danielle startled her. And she tells the story on Final Moments on Oxygen, okay? And she was startled because it was so late at night. And she's like, it wasn't like super late. Like, let's just say it was dark. The sun was down. Okay, but she's expecting her to be in the house. So she was just like, whoa. It was like a school night? Yeah, mm -hmm. and she was like, where have you been? And she was kind of giggling and saying, you know, she was at the creek. And Sheena said to her, um, you better not go back to this creek. Like, that doesn't sound safe. That doesn't mm -hmm. sound good. Why are you going there? Like, no. And she's like, you know, I'm not gonna go back. I'm not gonna go back. But now that this is happening, you know, Sheena's thinking about this, right? She's talking to the cops and she's like, wait a minute, could she be at the creek or something? And so the cops, again, they're kind of like, mm, let's, let's just see what happens, right? Because this is a different type of situation. You know what I mean? She's not living with her mom. She's living with you guys. Maybe there was a falling out. Maybe there's something that she's not saying. She's a teenager. She's this, she's that. So Sheena kind of does her own little investigation. She finds a neighborhood kid and they're able to take her to this creek because Danielle did mention it was in the neighborhood when she talked to Gina, okay? So she goes to this creek and when she gets there, on the path leading there, she sees the word help carved out. And she freezes and she's just like, whoa, like, is this a message that Danielle left for me? And she immediately like goes back, gets the cops, they come back together and they're walking and Sheena sees a sock and she's like this sock is a sock that Danielle wears to bed like that is her thing she wears socks to bed they are fuzzy they are the ones Sheena bought for her and she just felt like this is Danielle's sock I know it is okay and the cops took it into evidence but that's all that they found in that area that was related to Danielle so the family was just at this point just really big there was nothing else it was just a sock they found a towel from their house okay yes sheena huh. recognized it she's like wait a minute this is a towel from our closet but those were the two things they found the towel and the sock huh. right but after that, they did find other random things, but it was more so from like teenagers hanging out there. There was bottles, there was like paper and trash and like clearly kids that are littering and not recycling, you know? But like there was evidence of teenager activity, basically. Um, 
But those two things, I mean, Gina was like, wait a minute, this is kind of weird. Especially more so the sock. Like she knew that Danielle had been there, right? And so she figured maybe she left a towel there. That one time she was there, maybe she came back for a swim. But she's like, the sock? She only wears them to bed. So she must have come here at nighttime. Mm -hmm. And that is what really rattles her. Okay. Um, at that point, the cops are like, all right, let's start investigating. So now the investigation was definitely being kicked into a little bit more of a higher gear. But Chena was still doing her own investigation to the point that like, apparently kids were responding to her messages and saying, my mom said not to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like she was determined wow. though she was like that aunt that was like you know what I'm gonna figure this out whether everyone helps me or doesn't help me right okay so she called Jermichael up and he said to her like I haven't seen her in a while like a few days like we broke up and Chino was just like that's true they be on and off all the time and stuff I mean they had just gone to a school dance together that uh Danielle was really excited about so mm -hmm. it did I mean she still was like huh, that, I mean I guess they broke up again but I thought they just had a great time at the dance but okay and he was really worried like what happened to her and Sheena just said I mean we're trying to figure it out Sheena kept going with her investigation okay we should call her detective Sheena put some respect on her name okay <laughs> I should say there had been no social media activity so far from Danielle which to China and the police, I mean, it was very alarming because this is somebody who was constantly tweeting, constantly online, and they were just like, this does not feel right. Something's off. Mm -hmm. China went ahead and decided to go and talk to the girl who Danielle was supposed to bring the book to, okay? And I I'm kind of confused how she beat the police there, but you know, Detective China, she's on it. <laughs> So she goes to the girl and she talks to her and the girl says like, no, she never came by with the book. She's like, okay, that's odd. Um, but she said she did send me pictures of herself um, from yesterday, meaning March 11th, the day she goes missing, right? She goes missing mm -hmm. at night. Um, so now it's March 12th. And Sheena took a look at the pictures and she looks really happy in it. She's wearing shorts and this black top. And she looks like she's having a great time. And there's no other kids, like teenagers, visible in the pictures. Like, it's really just Danielle. However, Detective Chino was on it, let me tell you. She noticed that Danielle was wearing glasses that she did not own. And so what did Chino do? She zoomed in on the glasses, y'all. She zoomed in and she saw four teenagers standing there. So at that point, she turns to the girl, right? And she's like, who are these people? There's four people in the glasses. And the girl was kind of hesitant to tell her who it was. Like, she was just nervous. She's, she knows, like, her friend is missing, but she's probably also like, well, like, this whole thing is scary. Like, am I going to get in trouble? Like, right. you know, but I'm sure Detective Gina said to her, listen, you're just helping the investigation. Okay. And so she tells her who the four people are. And she also brings this to the cops. Okay. And this helps them in their investigation. I will say though, that like the four people are never really talked about extensively on the show. Meaning like, it wasn't like the show identified them as person one at the Creek, person two at the Creek, person three at the Creek. So they didn't really talk about whether or not they interviewed those people. I'm sure they did. 
Mm -hmm. But it's not like they identified them as person one creek, person two creek, blah, blah, blah. Um, her best friend, Caroline, did happen to be there that day. She may have been one of the four people. Again, it's not confirmed because it's like she saw four people in the like reflection, right. but there could have been way more people there. But Caroline said it was a great day, that they were just joking and laughing and just having like the time of their lives, like really. Was a picture taken during the day or yes. at night? Oh, during, during the, the day. day. Okay. Mm -hmm. During the day. Okay. So it's like at least it gave them a clue of like even timestamp wise, yeah. when was she at the creek, right? And then you could kind of figure out with everyone else using technology or whatever else, were they mm -hmm. at the creek, you know? And at this point, I mean, it's only been a day or two, but the theories are running wild at school. I mean, this is a high school, of course. And so people are talking and talking and saying like, you know, maybe she ran away. Or, you know, actually that they think she was at the creek with some, some dude and he beat her. Or maybe she got into a fight like with a girl over a guy or you know like it just kept going on and on and on i guess we'll go ahead and turn to the persons of interest because it's definitely like a few people on the list okay let's start with i feel like one that people might be surprised about you tell me the grandfather okay are you surprised by that no i i thought it was a little strange that she left to give her neighbor slash friend this book at 10 p.m. and mm. he didn't think it was weird that she didn't return if the house is right next door you said right right so he didn't think it was weird that she didn't return after like a half hour an hour mm. did he think to call her did she have a cell phone I just have so many questions there but it makes sense why they would start there I think well was the last one to see her very true or so we think so yeah Okay. But um, she definitely did have a cell phone. I mean, she was constantly tweeting. <laughs> she was just a typical teenager in that sense. Um, and I mean, as evidenced by her even taking pictures of the creek, she always had her cell phone on her. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of agree. Like, Grandpa, you know, it was looking a little fishy. And um, we got a lot more details, of course, via the episodes, which revealed that he was actually playing video games at 10 p.m. at night. Because the officers were weirded out by the fact that like he let her walk out at 10 p.m. knowing that she's like 15 years old and like, yeah, it's kind of late. Yeah. And he said basically he wasn't paying attention to the time and then like he kind of looked up and realized it's been an hour and she's not back. Um, and I should probably go look for her. Um, so it's like, it's not that he completely didn't realize it, but it was almost like he was like in a daze. Like he kind of knew around the time she left, it was dark outside. But um, I think the show pinpointed the exact time that she left via cell phone records. Okay. So that we'll discuss, of course, later on. But basically, um, like you know already, he didn't flag to the police until the next day because he thought he had to wait 24 hours. But he didn't even think to like, did he know where the house was that she was going to? He didn't think to like go outside and check knock on the door i don't know well the dateline episode kind of skimmed a little bit on that part but oxygen gave us more details and it turns out that he did leave the house he drove around for hours 
looking oh. for her. He drove up and down the block. He walked up and down the block. I don't know if he knew what house he she went to, right. and so I don't think he knocked on that person's door, mm -hmm. but he drove around from like 11 p.m. to like three or four in the morning looking Gosh. for her. Yeah. Just really like upset and stuff, and maybe he didn't call the grandmother because it was late already there, and so he was just like hoping that she would just turn up by the morning, but then he calls the grandma like early in the morning and lets her know she she never came back so they bring him down to the police station he explains all of this they um of course still think it's weird and one of the officers that spoke on the show on dateline specifically says that they got a weird feeling after speaking to the grandfather and that he's been on the job for many many years and he's never gotten that feeling he called yeah. his supervisor in the moment and said i don't know something's just off so they have grandpa take a polygraph test, which we know is usually not admissible in court at all. Mm -hmm. um, and he passed it. They cleared him and there was nothing else to suggest he was involved, whether it was phone records or computer searches, etc. And so they turn to the next person of interest, which is Jamichael, her boyfriend, mm -hmm. aka first love, aka on and off again. You know what I'm saying? He's actually interviewed by the FBI yeah and they didn't really specify everyone else who like they were interviewed by but they mentioned on dateline like he was interviewed by the fbi hmm. and he reveals a lot about danielle i mean he's very upset by the whole thing and he said that she was depressed that she was mentioning wanting to kill herself that he told her aunt china that he said that she had expressed to him that she felt like a burden on her grandma and that if she ran away, she probably is like with a close friend, but he was just like really worried and just saying like, you know, I want them to find her. I need you guys to find her. You know, mm -hmm. like this is crazy. And he does have an alibi. He says that he was home studying for the SATs at the time with his friend Dominic. And okay, as soon as they said the SATs part, like definitely very possible, but mm -hmm. Remember, he wants to go to the military. Do you need to take the SATs to go to the military? Should I Google that? I didn't think you did. I don't think but so. I don't, know. I don't think so. I guess it depends on what type of position you want to hold in the military. Yeah. Like if you're going to somewhere like West Point, which is like a very famous academy over here, mm -hmm. right? You probably do need the SAT. Yeah. Okay, so he was at home studying for the SAT, ACTs, whatever, T's, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> with his friend Dominic. And um, his mom and his grandma were there too. He freely handed over his phone so that the cops, or the FBI, in this case, a veteran detective, a veteran FBI member, could verify this. And, you know, it shows text messages that he sent to, like, other girls, actually, just like, hey, what's poppin'? I just woke up. He sent them at around, like, 10, 50 or something like that. 1040 um and so they're just like okay interesting of course they did go ahead and get a warrant for his cell phone records yeah um and it i guess it might be important to note that he lived about a half hour away from danielle okay so he's sending these messages at like 1040 and you know her I, I guess I didn't really mention this. Yeah, I didn't mention this part yet, but her cell phone records will show that she was at home at 10, mm -hmm. but her cell phone last pinged at like 10.40. So like he's sending out messages at that time. And like, mm -hmm. again, he's home with his mom and, and his grandma cell phone. and 
pings from his home, right? Yep. Okay. When they get the records back, it shows that it's pinging from his home. Okay. So they're just like, all right, on to the next one. Next on the list was a boy, Angel, from school. He apparently had a girlfriend, but the tea was that he was trying to get with Danielle. And there was another rumor going around, which is that he was making out with Danielle at the creek and cuddling with her and all these things. And the more the police asked about him, the more confused they got. They were kind of like, okay, he was very popular, but he also, people were saying like he was like this troublemaker and all this stuff. So I don't know, it was like, I mean, technically, could you be popular and a troublemaker? I mean, that could be what makes you popular, you know what I'm saying? Sure. But there were just so many different things they were hearing, so they brought him in. And he starts to lie about his whereabouts, you know? And all they had to say to him was, you could get in trouble for this. And he folded, y'all. He folded like a chair. He was like, okay, fine. I was lying, okay? But I promise I have nothing to do with this. Like, I was at home with my family. Like, they can vouch for me. And he said he was at the creek that day, but he says, like, I wasn't making out with her or anything like that. And her best friend, Caroline, says on the show, the Dateline show, like, it's true. Like, he actually was dating my friend at the time. Now, I don't know if the friend she was, he was dating was the girlfriend or was this another girl he was talking to? I don't know. But Caroline's like, he was dating my other friend and, like, none of this happened. Like, I was there. And um, basically, they let him go. I mean, his alibi checked out. And usually I know with family alibis, it could be a little tricky, but there had to be more that convinced them that, you know, he just wasn't the guy. Of course, like, it's kind of hard to get into that on like, you know, a 45 minute episode or something like that, even an hour and a half episode, you know, these little details might get like lost in the sauce. Next on the list, I think we're on the fourth person. Yeah. Derek. Derek didn't even go to school, y'all, because he got kicked out. Okay, so he was just trying to come back to school. And basically, he liked to hang around the creek a lot. And the police, of course, started hearing more and more rumors about Derek and him possibly being at the creek. They also heard, like on that particular day, mm -hmm. right? But they also heard that, you know, he liked Danielle and that she rejected him. And you already know, once they heard that, they're like, hmm, motive, right. you know? If, you, if you're bothered by it enough and your brain ain't all there, you know what I'm saying? You might take it to a level that it doesn't need to go to. So the police bring him in and they interview him. And he says, quote, the only thing I know about, about her is that she's a white female, black hair, blue eyes, went missing March 11th. Okay, so um, she's not white. Like, she's half white, y'all. But it's, it's interesting, like... Um, you know, just seeing how people talk about race and stuff because he immediately says she was white, maybe because she her skin is lighter. Mm -hmm. But you watch the show and you're like, mm -hmm. and hear the family talking all this stuff. She's black, y'all. She's black. Um, but I thought that was funny. So I like, whatever, I took the quote out. I mean, I put the quote in. But um, what was interesting when he said that, they were just like, wait, like, we hear from people like at the school that he says that like she's like a sister to him. So I mean that makes things even weirder. So you want to hook up with somebody who's like a sister to you? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it was weird that like okay, and now he's just like trying to put so much space in between them. Like I don't even know her. All I know are these things, these characteristics about her. And how old is Derek? Um, they never say. But if he's trying to get back in the school, I'm guessing he can't be more than like 17 mm -hmm. or 18. Um but he even goes on to say she seemed like a goody goody and you know i don't hang out with goody goodies goody goodies always seem to snitch 
And at this point, I'm watching the show and I'm like, is he really saying these things? Like, he's just digging himself in at this point, right? right. And then, as if it couldn't get any worse, he goes on to say, yeah, I do illegal things. Because, like, they kind of were puzzled after he's like, I don't hang around goody goodies because they snitch. They kinda, right. It was just like a silence. And then he's like, yeah, I do illegal things too. So, you know, and they were just like, huh? Um, so when they asked him about his alibi, he's like, I was home alone. Like my dad had gone out at around 8 PM, but I was just, you know, looking for jobs online. Like, cause of course he wasn't in school. He was trying to occupy his time. Mm -hmm. He's like, I was on Facebook. I was watching TV, you know, I'm just, you know, multitasking out here. Um, and he also mentions that, you know, he deletes his history, his internet history a lot. So the cops are just like, so how are we supposed to verify? I mean, of course, there's other ways, but they're saying to him, like, so how can we verify your alibi if you delete it? Like, why do you do that? And he's yeah. like, oh, because like someone hacked my Facebook. And ever since then, I just delete my history. So I'm like, okay, I don't know, Derek. I'm not sure. Yeah. So at this point, they make it known that, listen, we have Danielle's cell phone records so all these interviews are happening within the first two weeks of her going missing okay mm -hmm. but the show doesn't pinpoint who was interviewed at what date okay right. but it's very clear that they got her records soon after she was missing because sometimes they could take a minute so now they use the records to press derek they say like listen at 10 p.m she was in her neighborhood at 10 40 her phone pings a few miles away or around like I-95, the highway, you know, I-95 for people who don't know, it takes you all the way down to Miami. Like you could just take it straight down. Oh. Yeah. Wow. You didn't know that? No. Norma, we have taken that trip. I don't remember. To Florida. I know. But... That. Oh my goodness. I lived in Florida too, so that's probably why I know, because I, I just, had to like drive. I just know we passed the New Jersey Turnpike. That's all I remember. Oh, Norma. I can't. Well, Okay. <laughs> They say, you know, that the phone pinged around there. And guess whose house is around there? Derek. Derek's house is right around there. And so is an RV park. But they end up getting a search warrant for his house. And it don't really look too good. I mean, there's a burn pit. And the police officers are already like, wait, why do you have a burn pit? Usually it's like to keep things like warm, at least for the teenagers. Yeah. They'd be making fires and stuff. And it was like, it wasn't cold. It was like end of March, April at this point. So they're just like huh and then there was a knife like stuck in a tree like a very sharp knife and then there was a shovel that like the handle it was like the, one of those long shovels that you would use to dig something okay dig a mm. hole the handle itself the handlebar was like white and it was covered in red stuff so they're like this looks like blood like we need to get it tested right and they did like a little test there and it kind of showed as being negative but they sent it off to the lab anyways and what do you know it turns out it was not blood okay so the cops at this point are like wait 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 all this stuff at his house already looks weird like there has to be something there you know what about him lying about like the fact that he didn't really know her like that, right? And just giving like these like descriptive factors about her mm -hmm. versus like, you know, him telling everyone he, she's like a sister to him. And right. I mean, they talked to his other friends and they're like, Derek just lies a lot. 
Like, he's just one of those people who likes attention. And he just be lying to lie. And even her best friend tells them, like, he's not a violent person. He's actually really, really nice. So I just, I, I don't, I would be, I think she would have been surprised to know that Derek did something like this, right? So that's what she's basically telling the cops. They even talked to his girlfriend, because apparently he has one, okay? And she vouched for him as well. And she even points out the fact that like he didn't even have a car. Now they didn't say how far away his house was to Danielle's house, mm -hmm. but it seemed like that factor was significant in all of this. <clears throat> so all of that to say, they finally just say, you know what? Let's just pull his cell phone records. And what do you know? Nothing links Derek to Danielle's disappearance. Wow. Yeah. So, at this, I mean, the cops are kind of like, uh, what do we do now? Of course, they search the RV park because it's kind of near that area, too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and people come and go all the time, but they, they don't find anything. And they bring out volunteers. They bring out, you know, cadaver dogs, like any law enforcement that can help in the area, like including FBI and still nothing. Wow. They then decide to search the actual neighborhood that Danielle lives in. Mm. And this brings us to an interesting point because they searched every house in that neighborhood. So I don't know if anyone knows about their Fourth Amendment right, but let me give you a little lesson, you know what I mean? Your Fourth Amendment right protects you against unreasonable search and seizures. So really the base rule, the general rule is that like, if you're going to be searched, there needs to be a warrant that is issued. And that warrant needs to be based on probable cause, which means that it's likely that you did it, right? Like we kind of might have something here to prove that you did it. It needs to be signed off by a judge or a magistrate. More on that later. But all of that to say, the translation is, you can't search me unless there's a warrant, okay? That's really what it comes down to. And um, I kind of thought of a Rugrats episode that kind of shows like the whole probable cause thing. I wonder if you know which episode I'm thinking of. No, I don't. Okay. The one where like they accuse um, Angela, uh, what's her name? Angelica. They accuse Angelica of stealing Susie's tricycle from the shed that's painted red. Oh, oh my gosh. What yeah. a crazy episode. I remember as a kid being so nervous. Because remember, they tied um, her Barbie to the balloon and they just kept asking her questions and they would let go of it and catch it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was like, I'd be like, Cynthia, you know, what a like nerve wracking event. But as far as probable cause goes, right? Let's say, let's pretend Susie did not have red paints on her hand, like red paint on her hand, because it, I think she did. Let's just say Angela was the only one with red paint on her hand and the bike was kept in that shed. So the person who opened it would have had to touch the, you know, the door and their hands would be red, okay? So you could say it's more likely than not that Angelica did it, her hands are red. Mm -hmm. That's basically what probable, probable cause is, like if you really break it down, you know what I'm saying? But of course that episode has all these twists and turns, like Susie also has her hands red. Right. And there's a reason the Rugrats believe Susie and not Angelica, because Angelica is not really a nice person. And then they find the trike under the stairs and it turns out that Angelica didn't do it. 
But they let Cynthia go. Yeah, that's what I thought. And she was crying. She was crying so much. But then a plane like hits the balloon and then Cynthia falls into her hands as she like is yelling at everyone. So it ends up being okay. But as a kid, I remember being like, oh my goodness, this is like quite a ride. Okay, but you might be thinking to yourself, okay, that's the general rule. But of course, there's always exceptions to the rule. And guess what? You are right. You have learned a lot, y'all. You have learned a lot. <laughs> um, one of the exceptions is if, let's say, a cop thinks that you are destroying evidence. They don't need no warrant anymore. Bye. You know what I'm saying? They just coming into your door. And that's it. So there are exceptions to the rule. But the general rule is you need a warrant. Mm -hmm. You're going to need a warrant for that, mm -hmm. as Jay-Z would say in 99 Problems. So how was it that they searched everyone's house then? They got consent. That's another way to circumvent a warrant. If you yeah. just tell the cops, yeah, come on in, it's fine. Then they can come in. So that's basically what happened. They got consent from every single house in the neighborhood. Wow. And there was a bunch of houses. They didn't say how many, but they made it sound like a lot. And it just kind of goes to show, I mean, the neighbors were very cooperative. I mean, of course we've seen stories where, you know, you do it and it's like, you know you did it, but you're just trying to pretend to be. Yeah. But like, let's just assume that they really are doing it for the right reasons. And so they didn't find anything at the houses. So the police are really back to square one. They've run down a legitimate list of persons of interest and they've come out empty handed. And now they're just like, is it possible that she was abducted? Because it does show her on I-95 or something or near that area. And what if she's in another state? And it's not like, you know, far-fetched for like a teenage girl to be kidnapped. Right. Okay. She's out by herself in the middle of the night. Even though it's like a safe neighborhood, you just never know. <sighs> I mean, her family, I mean, are, are besides themselves. Okay. Detective Chena, her aunt Chena, is really just like depressed about this. Like she's trying to be strong, but she's just like, oh my goodness. And I can only, like, I can only imagine what she must have been thinking being that like, you know, she came there to live with them, with mm -hmm. Sheena and the grandparents. I can only imagine like how they're feeling, like talking to, you know, Danielle's mom, right? Like so many emotions, okay? It's being covered a lot in no local news though. Like they have it on Dateline, another episode about missing persons um, before this episode was filmed. Um, of course, like I said, every house in the neighborhood was searched volunteers searched the creek i mean they were like really just trying to cover all their bases a cop that spoke on the show said that there were over a thousand leads and they tried to figure out every single one of them yeah there was even a woman that called and said that she was taking care of danielle which kind of creeped them out because it turned out it wasn't true so they were just like what why why do that why do people do that? I don't know. So I think bad. it's like a little deeper than just like them pretending to like or wanting to play around. It's like sometimes mental health yeah. issues. Yeah, right. So could be that. Um, police also got a call um, that they had her at a diner, like that there was a sighting of Danielle and the FBI go down to this diner. And I'm pretty sure it's like in South Carolina. No, actually it's near Virginia. So they go and they're staking out the diner. And eventually they just approach her and the girl's like, what? Like, that's not me. But apparently there was a very like uncanny resemblance. They never showed the picture of the girl, but they, I mean, the FBI thought it was her. So oh, wow. I feel like that is like, that says a lot. 
you know. Um, then the police got another call that Danielle was seen on camera at a local hospital. And when they review the footage, it really is her. What? Yes. Yes. So her, I mean, she's just like her, her grandma just like talks about it on the show because it's revealed that the footage is actually old. It's from six months ago. And oh. she was there visiting her grandmother. And it was so hard. I'm getting chills. It was so hard for her grandmother to just say that on camera. She started crying. She right. started crying. Great Aunt Sheena was there. Not Aunt Sheena, because Sheena's named after her great aunt. Was there just comforting her. Like, it was so sad, y'all. It really was like, wow. it was very hard for her to talk about. Because it really gave them some sort of hope. And around the three-week mark, I mean, they just decided to hold some sort of balloon release. Like, let's all come together and just, like, pray and hope that we find her and stuff. And everyone attended. All her friends, her ex, everyone was there. And her Aunt Sheena was just, like, again, just really down about all of this. And she went to church to pray about it. At this point, it's April 2nd, 2014. So you know, a few weeks have passed. Mm -hmm. And Sheena goes to church and she says her prayer changes. At first she was just praying, you know, for her to come back home alive. And now she was just saying, just, just let me bring her home. Let me lay her to rest. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's all I want. And that afternoon, dispatch gets a call and it's from a police officer. He is a detective and he's off duty. And he was just one of the detectives that kind of helped out on the case because they needed help. But he wasn't like assigned to the case. It looks like he worked at a different um, county altogether. Mm -hmm. But he was taking a road he normally doesn't take. And he said he was going about 35 miles an hour over a bridge, but that like something caught his eye in the water. So the bridge like, he was going over had a river underneath it the south river and he stopped and he's like that looks weird and he calls dispatch and he's like listen is there someone you could send out here he identifies himself and he's like i see something in the water and he gets closer and he's like i see hair in the water Gosh. like you need to send somebody they send somebody and they look at they they take the body out of the water because it's a person and the person is wearing shorts and a black shirt, the same outfit Danielle was wearing the day she went missing. That was the outfit she had on at the creek. That was the outfit she kind of had on like as she got ready for bed. She had put on her socks and I don't know, I guess she was gonna change her outfit. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Like some of us just be falling asleep in our clothes. You know what I'm saying? We all been there. <laughs> so all of that to say, it turns out it is Danielle. But what was really like just, it sent chills down my spine, like I had goosebumps, is the fact that her aunt prayed about this yeah. that morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the detective, who's not even assigned to the case, he was just volunteering on it, drives past this river on a bridge going 35 miles an hour. I mean, that's not slow, you know what I'm saying? But he spots something in the water and it makes him stop. That to me is not a coincidence, Yeah. okay? So that's what I'll say about yeah. that. Um, so whew, let's talk about what's up next. Her body was underwater for about a month. 
she had cinder blocks tied to her yeah tied what? to her body with yellow rope around it and the detectives just found it peculiar like yellow rope and cinder blocks like they said the cinder blocks kind of looked old but they were like whoa like somebody was trying to keep her down here yeah of course they do an autopsy and the autopsy shows that she died from asphyxiation okay she could not breathe they said that she had you know there was proof of strangulation but when they looked in her mouth, she had a sock stuffed down her throat. It was the other sock. Oh my Her other night sock, yes, because they only found one with Anchina. They could not say definitively if it was the sock that killed her or the strangulation. This kind of reminds me a little bit of a case that you did really early on. Sharita Williams. Where I think it was on a plastic bag stuffed yes. into her mouth. Yes, Sharita. Wow. Yep. I'll never forget that case. That was one of that was one of the first cases we did, of course, but mm -hmm. also that was the first time someone connected to the case who knew the person reached out to us and told us oh, their yeah. thoughts on the case. Yes. It was someone very close to her and that's when I realized like the kind of impact we were having that this podcast was reaching, you know, ears that I never thought it could reach. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that case was, that case was a tough one. Back to this case, the creek and the river were not connected. In fact, they were 30 minutes away, you know? So how was it that her sock was there, but then she's found in the river and the other sock is stuffed in her mouth, so they're seeing it as like two crime scenes. Like, yeah, definitely. I okay. think like it's possible that she was probably murdered at the creek, right? And whoever did it, like, definitely didn't do their homework because you left right. a sock there, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, but either way, I think the point was to kill her there and then dispose of her somewhere else, right? So. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, was the plan to kill her? I don't know. You know, I, you know what? I'll leave my thoughts to the end. But guess who lived near the river? Is it one of the suspects that you named? Yes. Who's near the river? Someone um, who's near the river. Her boyfriend? Yeah. He lived 30 minutes away huh. from her and the river is 30 minutes away from the creek. So they're like, wait a minute. How is that even possible? Okay. They also kind of start like digging more into like stuff that he said, like him saying that she was suicidal and that she told Aunt Chena. They talked to Aunt Chena and Aunt Chena was like, you know, he was kind of like weirdly like, I don't know. He he gave such a description that it was kind of weird to Aunt China, who's a you know detective China. You know, mm -hmm. she said that he basically insinuated that like if she committed suicide, it would be in cold water. And so that's the detectives specific. were like, "That's kind of specific." And they didn't say when he said this. Like to me, it sounded like it was after the murder, or you know, because that's basically what they ruled it at this point. It was a murder, mm -hmm. okay? I think it might've been after the murder, 
but they didn't specify. So they kind of look more at like Danielle's phone records and stuff and they see that he actually blocked Danielle on that day from texting him. They were going back and forth about something and he just blocked her and then she used a friend's phone to text him, to keep texting him. And he texted her and said, if you come to my house right now, I'm gonna shoot you without hesitation. Like oh leave gosh. me alone. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Like this is an on and off again boyfriend someone you love and it's just yeah. like all this like there's just a lot of emotions there okay and like why it just kind of didn't make sense to the detectives mm -hmm. yet okay they also you know they had him take a, a polygraph test the first time it turned out that he flunked it but he never changed his story so like did he flunk it because you know he was lying or was he nervous you know they said he had been consistent with his story since day one. Hmm. But they still decide they want to talk to him because the fact that the river is so close to your house is kind of, you know, is, is kind of more than a coincidence in their minds, okay? And he's very calm. And he actually goes in with his mom this time before he didn't go in with anybody. He goes in with his mom and a lawyer. Oh. Yeah, we don't really see that too much. We don't. He lawyered up, y'all. But before the lawyer gets in the room, it's just him and his mom. And his mom is like really upset about this. And she's like, oh my gosh, what if they're trying to frame you? Like, what if someone put her body there to frame you? And she just kind of starts crying. Like she knows the severity of it, whether he did it or not. Like, this is not good. Okay. But he's like very calm. He's like, mom, relax. Like, it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. Like, I didn't do this. His mom's like, I know, like, I know you very well. I know you didn't do this. But like, this is still crazy that we're down here. Um, so then the lawyer comes in and the detective starts asking him questions. The mom leaves at this point. He is saying over and over again, he didn't do it. Okay, he didn't do it, he didn't do it. And at one point he kind of turns up questions on the detective and he's just like, you say I'm a smart kid, right? And the detective is like, yeah. And by the way, the detective that's interviewing him now is the one that found her body. They're like, you should come in. Oh, okay. yeah. And the, de the detective is like, yeah, I think you're smart. And he's like, okay, so I mean, why would I put her there if I'm smart? Why would I put her somewhere close to me if I did it? I mean, he was very calm, cool, collected the entire time. But what he didn't know was that the police were executing a search warrant on his house at the same time he was there, which is a police tactic that they use all the time. Because if you're home you or you know they're coming, you might try to hide stuff. You might, you know what I'm saying? You might do other things that they don't want you to do. But that was what was happening. And so the mom kind of comes into the room and lets him know, like, yeah, they're searching the house. And the detective says, like, you can tell his demeanor kind of changes. He isn't like nervous, but there's something off. Yeah. And he's just like, okay, I mean, they can search the house, but I don't know. They were still like, eh, something's off. When they're searching the house, they find cinder blocks and they see patterns like in the like mud, the soil, where two would have been, but they're missing. And there were two found tied to her. Hmm. They also found yellow rope at his house. And, and listen, he didn't crack though. 
they released him because they were they they could not hold him even though they found those things like they couldn't hold him at that point they're yeah. just like you know like because his other, his alibi was really strong also so it's like i'm sure there's like i mean we could go down a rabbit hole as to like why they really couldn't hold him but i have to say i think it also has to do with the fact that he's a teenager you know the lawyer is there i'm sure the lawyer said listen we'll bring him back if anything you know they see that the mom is there there's there's people present in his life that's kind of showing them like you know you can't play these games with our kid right you know he has representation he has a family that loves him like you know so i feel like that kind of goes into the decision too but also if you really don't have evidence like for real for real you cannot prove it definitive definitively at that point enough to hold him they yeah. just they just couldn't hold him even knowing that they had like the cinder block and stuff there was still stuff that needed to be done like they need to test the cinder block they need to like compare it they need to test the rope they needed to do a bunch of things and of course they're also wondering are they making a huge mistake his alibi is solid so a few days pass and they start to kind of look into this more because again they're kind of like i don't know what is happening here and they go back to his alibi and it's revealed that his mom and grandma actually did not see him that night. Though they were in the same house, he was in a different room with Dominic. So they thought he was home, but was he really home? Mm -hmm. But then there was a text messages that he was sending. You know, it just didn't like add up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is it possible that he could have been framed? Does he have like enemies that are just like, I'm gonna take this cinder block and take this rope and I mean they it'll come back on him. It didn't really it didn't really no. They didn't yeah. do a dive into that. And it kind of becomes obvious in in like a minute or two. Like they do ask his friend Dominic who was there, like, hey, like we talked to the grandma and stuff and the mom and they didn't actually see him. So you're the only person that was like in the room with him. Mm -hmm and we want to just interview you again and dominic lawyers up this is my first time seeing people lawyer up this quick yeah he lawyered up wow usually people walk into the uh, like the the station they start talking mm -hmm. so they were like whoa like that's wild but their hands were tied again you know they're waiting on things to come back and they're just like okay but a few days later jamichael comes in and he's ready to confess and so they put him in the room and you know the cameras are still rolling you know in the interrogation room and he says i'm gonna pray to you right now father jesus and he's crying and crying and crying and they finally come in and he tells his story he says that like listen i went to her house that day that night actually because she had been texting me all day and i was just like let me just go over there and talk to her and dominic came with me and there's another part of it that like I didn't mention and it's the fact that she told me she was pregnant and so i went oh. over there yes and he wanted her to take a test and all this stuff um spoiler alert the autopsy showed that she was not pregnant so so anyways he goes with her to the creek to talk why he couldn't just talk right there is questionable okay um so they go to the creek he says that you know they kind of start arguing over something and that she had beat him Where's up. Where's Dominic at this point? Didn't you see He's him? in the car, apparently. 
waiting. And so like, okay, what? so they bring the car close to the creek and then Dominic is waiting and he goes into the, like by the creek with her. And mind you, it is late at night. There are no dang lights in the creek. So it's really scary out there. Okay, like mm -hmm. they talked about it being like land that has been undeveloped for a hundred years. So you already know there's no light posts. So Dominic is at the car. They're fighting, she punched him or something. He remembers her um, like doing that and then he remembers just like choking her all of a sudden. But then he blacks out. What he remembers next is like her body was kind of just slumped on the ground and he called Dominic over and they like brought her body to the car, like put her in the trunk. And Dominic apparently shoved the other sock in her mouth because she was like making noise. They were driving down I-95. They threw her cell phone out. So that's why it was pinging on I-95. But this kind of reminds us, like that reminds me of the story of the August 10th story where they solved the case in one day. Mm -hmm. And that one guy who almost got caught up because he was like the wrong place, wrong time, got her client, okay? Derek, his house was by where he threw the phone. He could have been caught up in this just based off of that. Wow. Just, wow. Just toss the phone. It happened to be near Derek's, y'all. That is wild. Okay, so then he said, like, you know, they went to his house. He got the cinder box and rope and brought her to the river. And, you know, they put her in the river. And that was it. Which it was like, interesting to the detectives because they're like wait a minute your phone was at home it was pinging from home you know like so clearly he left his phone at home on purpose but like who was texting from his phone his mom was with him dominic i mean not mom dominic was with him his mom and grandma were there but they were like in a different room you know the mom seemed flustered by all this just very strange to the cops. So who's texting from his phone? So I, I can't even believe this because this is 2014. This one was interesting. He had an app on his phone that could send scheduled text messages. So he scheduled for certain messages to go out at around 1030, 1040, 1050. What? Yes. That is so... <laughs> bizarre and, and clearly someone that was acting with intention he had a plan ding 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 but at the time when they first like charged him they didn't know this yet they figured this out afterwards right so they charged him initially with second degree murder which means that like you know it could be like crime of passion basically you didn't deliberately do it right that's what it means when you don't get first degree murder you get something else you didn't do it on purpose you did it but it was an oopsies which i'm like how can a murder be but okay um i mean i guess there are some ways if you're like accidentally i've heard people accidentally shoot people in the leg which i don't know why you would do in the first place and then they die because the major arteries there yeah anyways all that to say um i think that's subjective <laughs> um start with the end all right so let me see So, I mean, listen, Chena did not think that Dominic and, well, Dominic did end up getting charged too, by the way. He got charged with like, I'm 
pretty sure they charged him with second degree murder and then they had to drop it. They ended up dropping it down. But um, basically her aunt said like, you know, it doesn't feel like he's really telling the truth. It seems like the story is very convenient for him to get charged with like a lesser crime, right? And that's when the detectives make the discovery about his cell phone sending these like messages on its own. And they think about like upping the charges. They really do. But they also think that with trials, you know how it is. It could go either way. When you put the fate of somebody in the hands of 12 jurors, and even if you didn't have a jury, right, you did a bench trial, it was just the judge deciding, either way, it could come out in any way imaginable, mm -hmm. right? And so they felt like if he had a good enough attorney, and clearly his mom had lawyered him up, lawyered him up very quickly before, showing that they could get a really good attorney, mm -hmm. I mean, he could probably get his way, like make his way out of this and it could be voluntary manslaughter, which means he would get in that state something like just a few years, five years or something like that, five, seven years. Mind you, he was also 17 at the time. So I didn't really like look too deeply into like how that affects it. But again, like certain states, if you're underage, it's like that already affects the type of time you can get however they can always charge you as an adult which is kind of what they were going for here they were going to charge him as an adult but all of that to say they decided you know what let's not even let's not even up the chart start all of that to say they decided like we're not even going to up the charges let's see if he'll just plead out to second degree murder okay because at least we could get him for 25 years or so Mm. okay at least 25 years 25 to 31 years and so they they go for it and he accepts it he accepts the plea deal and he pleads guilty um and he is sentenced to prison for 25 to 31 years and goes it goes further on to say that his friend dominic ended up pleading guilty to being an accessory and he got six to eight years. It's always interesting to me when like the friends get involved because, you know, you always think, okay, there's always like one person who might be like just demented or something, I don't know. But whenever you see two people doing it, you're just like, wait a minute, what are the chances? Like probability wise, mm -hmm. you know how you read things and it's like one in four people have like, I don't know, broken an arm or something like you don't expect for like you know all the people to be in the same room you know yeah. what i'm saying so um or it's like one in four people that's like a bad example i guess a bit a, a bigger number two in ten people right like one fifth two out of ten people have broken an arm or something you don't expect both of them to be in the room you know what i'm saying i don't know i'm just saying like it's always weird and confusing but the, the other side of it is like this is a ride or die friend, you know, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not helping anyone commit a murder. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the second he saw like that that happened, I mean, at the same time, he probably was like, whoa, like what the hell? And like, can he hurt me? But That's I don't true. know, like they don't really give his perspective on the show. So I can't really say like what he was thinking or whatever. Um, so listen um dominic he did shove a sock down her throat right that's what so. that's what um you know jamichael said but the show never goes dateline never goes any deeper into it um to 
basically decipher if that was the case or not. But Dateline never actually goes into it as far as like whether or not, you know, Dominic was the one that actually stuffed the sock down her throat. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really don't know if that's the case, but he did get six to eight years for his um, role in being an accessory. Um, so listen, Jamichael does have a sentencing hearing um, and he apologized to Danielle's family at this hearing. And his mom stood up and gave like quite the speech and you can definitely watch it on the show on both episodes. I'm pretty, I don't know, if, does it show it on date, on um, Final Moments? I'm not sure. But I know on Dateline they show it. And it's very like, it's a, it's kind of a powerful speech. You know, like, I pray for forgiveness. I pray for mercy. I pray for this. Like, and it, but it almost, I think if you're the person sitting in the audience and your family is the victim, you would see it as like, okay, that, that's a colorful way of thinking about it. Like, that's convenient. Mm -hmm. Like, you want us to have mercy, but right. he didn't have mercy on Danielle. And that's right. what her mom gets up and says, actually. He didn't have mercy on Danielle. You know? And they didn't feel like when he apologized that he was being, like, sincere. As a matter of fact, Chena says, I think he was just sorry that he didn't use more cinder blocks. Wow. Which is a very <laughs> honest thing to say. You know, I, I kind of have to agree with Chena on that one. So according to uh, the heavy.com article, his projected release date is May of 2041, which is not that far away. And his friend Dominic, his projected release date was October 2021. So I think he's out. I think wow. he's out. And they were sentenced in 2016, by the way. So I mean, Dominic gets to kind of live like a seemingly normal life. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it is hard to know like the extent of his involvement when the show didn't really like dive too deep into it. Um, yeah. As for Jamichael, um, he's in prison just acting up. No surprises there. Um, acting up? Yes, he has gotten written up from everything between weapons and fights with what? people and I... assault with the weapon and I mean, he tries to portray himself as, like, a man of God. Right. So, that's so... Especially, like, when he awesome. starts praying during the interrogation. Yeah. Knowing that the cameras are recording, right? So, it almost felt to me very calculated. Mm. And I think he just thought he was smart enough not to get caught. Personally, do I think he, like, meant to kill Danielle? Yes. I think he meant to kill her. No matter what, like, listen, even if she was not pregnant he did not need to kill her and like my rationale for thinking he wanted to kill her was first of all you could have just talked to her outside of your house like outside of her house yeah but instead you brought her to a remote like dark area the creek you know where people couldn't hear her you know yeah like what was your motive in doing that you know and then what was interesting is that the detectives brought him back to the scene this was before the sentencing and he is told to kind of describe like what's happening. They ask him to close his eyes and, and tell them what's happening and, and tell me like, you know, what are you doing? He's like, I'm choking her. Like, and, they, and they wait, they give it 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute. Okay, what's happening? He's like, I'm still choking her. And they're like, okay, I thought you blacked out. So you remember you're still choking her. And his lawyer was there and was like, 
don't say anything don't say anything else because you know this perfect story mm -hmm. kind of seemed like it was coming apart at the seams but again it just was like it was too risky for them to try him for first degree murder because just all the other stuff he did it's just like to me it looks like a first degree murder charge absolutely between yeah, the, the texting app that one was i mean the texting app itself i was like you set it up to send around the time that you knew you were going to be out yeah like that is wild like i've never seen to someone go to that extent yeah i've never on any episode i've watched i've watched a lot of true crime shows that was different that was different and it was 2014 so i was like wait there were apps that could do that in 2014 oh yeah it was wow. just bizarre to me but everything added up to definitely a deliberate murder mm -hmm. um but of course they just didn't want to chance it so all of that to say he's in prison and he will be there for you know the next few years and you can just hope i mean only i mean i feel like that's all we can do we can only hope that he comes out and he's re rehabilitated and he does not cause this type of harm or any harm to anybody else. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we won't know. We won't know. The crazy part is like that he will be able to have a chance to get out. Meanwhile, Danielle doesn't get that chance. Yeah. She had such a bright future. She had so much going for herself. She was a straight A student, so many friends, like, you know what I'm saying? And this stupid teenage love thing is what like kind of made all these things unfold you know but you can only imagine that danielle thought she was talking to somebody she loved she never would have thought that jamichael would do this you know and her family again they knew his family they went to church with him they could have never thought he could do something like this and china's biggest regret is that she didn't check her phone more like, and she already, you already know, Chena, Detective Chena was always checking her stuff, but she's just like, you know, how did I miss this? But you know, you know, teenagers, you know, sometimes they don't share everything. Yeah. They don't, right? And again, she told her grandpa she was gonna bring the book, but that's not what she went, she went outside because Jamichael told her to come outside. Even texting her earlier saying like, you know, that he was gonna, I'll kill you without hesitation if you come here. And the wild thing is, she didn't go looking for him. He went looking for her. I honestly, as the case was unfolding, I thought this was going to be like a disappearance. I really did. Right, like never found. Yeah. Or like a code case, just some sort of right, like break in between. Right. Like that years passed by because you're yeah. going through the list of suspects. And right. It's like, yep, it wasn't that person. It wasn't this person. It wasn't this person. And I wasn't sure where it was going. I mean, I listen, I wasn't sure either, especially after I watched like Derek on the show and saw the weird responses he was giving. I was like, oh, I solved it. I solved it. It got to be Derek. So when it wasn't him, I was like, wait a minute. I mean, that is the Danielle Locklear case. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of It's the Mystery for Me. Stay safe out there, y'all.